0: Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools is here every Saturday, 12 noon, to defend and to promote public education. And as Ray Nielsen, our erstwhile president, who has gone to meet his maker, um, always said, you have to define what public education is, because private schools are forever trying to say that they are really public Public education is public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it is public in access. It is available to every child without discrimination of any kind. It is open to children of any and every faith, any and every ethnic background, any and every uh, bank balance of their parents, and also any and every disability if they have one. This is very important if you are going to have a public education system and for that reason it should be publicly owned and controlled and it should be the only one that receives public funding. It is the only one that can possibly be publicly accountable and it is also the one that our governments, if they are genuinely democratic governments, should fund and provide for every child. Now we know that in this 21st century we are having a difficulty in making sure that this cornerstone of our democracy is kept intact. Why? There is any and every program for the privatisation of our schools. Two of these are coming from America and uh, the private schools are pushing one, particularly the religious schools, that's the voucher system. And the other one, or a form of it, is being pushed by Mr Pine, uh, our Federal Minister for Education, and also by the right-wing think tax with Jennifer Buckingham, Uh, leading the charge, and that is the charter schools. So this week on our website, we have two news releases for you. One is News Release 616, which deals with charter schools, and the second one is 617, which deals with the voucher system. So here is 616, and you can find it if you go now to uh, www.adogs.info and go to the media release uh, section. So 616. Washington Supreme Court. Charter schools do not qualify as common schools and cannot receive public funding. Australia should learn from the American charter school fiasco. Charter schools are not public schools and should not receive public funding. In a 6-1 decision, the Washington Supreme Court found significant portions of voter-approved initiative 1240, the Charter School Act, unconstitutional. The High Court said that charter schools do not qualify as common schools and cannot receive public funding. In the lead opinion, Chief Justice Barbara Madsen said the case wasn't about the merits of charter schools, simply whether they were eligible citing the State Supreme Court precedent from 1909, she said they're not because they are not under the control of local voters. A coalition of groups, including the State Teachers' Union, a group of Washington School Administrators and the League of Women Voters, sued the state in 2013 to stop the new charter system, which was adopted in 2012. Last year, Washington State had one charter school and this fall, or this autumn, that's in the United States, of course, nine charter schools are scheduled to open their doors across the state. But according to the Cairo News Agency, which the dogs and the dogs received this information, thank you very much from one of our listeners, every public charter school planned to be open on Tuesday, September the 8th, so they're quite happy to go against the law. The Supreme Court has affirmed what we've said all along, according to the um, uh, people who took it to court. Charter schools steal money from our existing classrooms and voters have no say in how these charter schools spend taxpayer funding, said the President of the Washington Education Association, Kim Mead, in a statement. Mead said the court ruling is another reminder of the state legislature's failure to fully fund basic education as required by the state constitution. The Supreme Court is currently fining the legislature $100,000 a day for failing to develop a plan for fully funding K-12 education as required by the court's decision. Very interesting, isn't it? Instead of diverting taxpayer dollars to unaccountable charter schools, it's time for the legislature to fully fund K-12 public schools so that all of Washington's children get the quality education the Constitution guarantees them, they said. So that is our press release 616. Dogs agree with this decision. And think that Australia can learn from the American experience and reject any charter system proposal from a pro-private school government. So that is six one six. Now I'd like to go to six one seven, which is the um, about vouchers. Now the voucher system in America has had a long history. And, of course, our private schools, particularly our Roman Catholic school parents and others uh, who talk all the time about choice, but really it's their choice, just us. They think that justice really means just us. As one of our members once said, her name was Sylvie, and I always thought that she had a point there uh, with the word justice and just us. Uh, the voucher system has had a a very chequered history in America and Americans who are, in fact, supporting public education and opposing vouchers in spite of several state attempts to impose them on taxpayers. The federal system, like the Australian system, is uh, a federated system and you have much more local control of education and state control of education in America, although the federal government has been entering the education uh, funding system in recent years. Now, in America, in spite of attempts to privatise education, there has been a great victory in the American Supreme Court. We've just been talking about the Washington High Court, which is the state court. We're now talking about the American Supreme Court. There have also been three voucher bills that have been defeated in Congress. And a Gallup poll results have indicated that Americans still support public education against vouchers and private education. Now, first of all, the Supreme Court ruling. Unlike the Australian High Court and its interpretation of the Australian Constitutional Religious Liberty Clause, namely Section 116, in the 1981 Dogs case, the American Supreme Court takes separation of religion and the state in their First Amendment very seriously. The Colorado Supreme Court's ruling against the Douglas County School Voucher Plan was a great victory for public education and religious liberty and, above all, the right of taxpayers not to be compelled to support religious institutions. And this ruling lined up nicely with the view of the Colorado voters who rejected vouchers at the poll in 1992 and 1998 by a landslide average margin of 63.5% to 36.5%. Taxpayers for public education and one of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit against the Douglas County schools is to be commended for its efforts. Now, how did we find this out? We found this out because Ed Durr, who comes from the, uh, Society for Religious Liberty in America has sent us this information. Now, as well as that, there have been three voucher bills defeated in Congress. They were defeated in July, despite the top-heavy Republican majorities. Both the House and the Senate rejected the so-called A-plus amendment, and the House vote was 235 to 195, with 49 Republicans joining all the Democrats on July the 8th. And in on July the 9th, the Senate uh, also uh, voted against the A-plus scheme by 54 to 44, with nine Republicans joining the Democrats. Very interesting. Uh, Senator Leymar's Alexander's pro-voucher scholarship for kids amendment was also rejected 52 to 45 with eight republicans in opposition and as well as that senator tim scott's title one portability amendment which would have allowed public funds to be transferred to private schools went down to a 51 to 45 defeat on july the 14th because seven republicans opposed the scott amendment And three GOP senators voted against all of the voucher bills. Susan Collins of Maine, these are the independents, Mark Kirk of Illinois and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. So the proposed education tax credit bills, which is another version of a voucher system, which was supported by Governor Andrew Cuomo, has also failed to make it through the New York legislature. New York is very big on charter schools and the voucher system. It's a major defeat for private school interests since neither the Education Investment Incentive Act nor the Parental Choice in Education Act ever reached a floor vote. So the New York State United Teachers were behind uh, the move against uh, vouchers in the New York State. And Andrew Palotta, who's the executive vice president of the teachers, told the Legislative Gazette, it's clear that public dollars should support public schools not reward billionaires with tax credits for donations to private schools and billy easton the executive director of the alliance for quality education added We saw one of the most massive spending sprees in recent history, funded by hedge fund billionaires who wanted a huge increase in the number of charter schools and a sweetheart tax credit deal for donations to private schools. So there you have it, listeners. Because education and religion, under really a very outmoded uh, legal system, are called charities. Billionaires are looking to save tax by investing in for-profit schools. Very interesting. So they're going to make money on private school parents having to pay fees and they're going to make money also on tax credits or exemptions. Uh, yeah, very interesting, isn't it? We know that these the churches, of course, have been making money on not paying tax for many years, but now the billionaires want and the hedge funds want to be in on the act. Now, private school interests were not without one victory, however. The legislature opted to provide non-public and parochial schools with $250 million for mandated services reimbursements, whatever they are. It's a first-time huge infusion of money that, frankly, they didn't deserve, probably, uh, and there is a question whether they should have had it. But the struggle over these tax credits, which is the exemptions for charter schools for billionaires who put money into them, is not uh, finished. The billionaires and the hedge funds aren't the only only ones with a vested interest in private education. The biggest multinational in the world is the uh, organisation that has the biggest interest in uh, getting taxpayer dollars for their schools, and that, of course, is the Roman Catholic Church. The New York Cardinal, Timothy Dolan, said... Well, we might have come up short this time, but we will redouble our efforts next year. As we all know, the Catholic Church has not given up getting taxpayers' money into their own private treasury uh, since state aid was stopped in 1872 in Australia. And now, of course, with state aid, they are bringing in billions and billions every year of yours and my taxes. Now, one of the biggest victories for the voucher movement also occurred in June in the generally off radar state of Nevada because that state 's legislature passed and signed on June the second a sweeping program of tax credits and universal education savings accounts, so the voucher people are winning there in some states. Nevada is one, and we've given you lots of information on that. And there is also um, uh, other places like North Carolina and Montana and Arizona. So you can read about those in our press release. But the third interesting thing that I'd like to tell you about is how Americans still support public education over against private education. There have been 28 state referendum elections from coast to coast between 1966 and 2014. And in these uh, referendums, millions of voters have rejected vouchers or their variants by an almost identical margin most recently in Hawaii in 2014 and Florida in 2012. And they still oppose school vouchers by 57% to 31%, according to the highly respected 47th annual Gallup poll on public attitudes towards education. And it's very interesting that there might be political differences in attitudes towards vouchers, uh, the Democrats, of course, oppose vouchers 71% to 16, and Independents by 63 to 29%. But even the Republicans, whose congressional and state legislative members have enthusiastically embraced vouchers, are split evenly on the voucher system. So it's uh, a very interesting situation in America. And when our right-wing think tanks and members of them like Jennifer Buck- Buckingham and also uh, Christopher Pine, tell us that we should be following America with charter schools and vouchers. Uh, we need to understand the facts. Uh, it's just not that simple in America at all. And in fact, our sources, and we're very grateful to our sources, keep us informed uh, regularly on what is happening in that country. So uh, that's all for me from now. Uh, over to Robert.
1: Thank you very much. You're listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Gene has been talking in some depth, and I think it's worth listening to, about the voucher system in the United States of America. Now, Gene, how does the voucher system apply um, when we talk about education in Australia? And in particular, what is often touted by some educational sources is what's called the Gonski Mm. Uh, model. Um, How do vouchers relate to Gonski?
0: With vouchers, the money follows the child, so that if a person in America opts out of the state system and goes to a private system, they take a voucher, uh, an amount of money with them. And if you actually sit and think about it, Gonski is talking about giving money to individual children. What the Gonski report is, in fact, uh, promoting under the guise of a needs system is a modified voucher system, and the dogs have always been very concerned about this. And I think we need to continue to be to be concerned ever since state aid was given in this country uh, by the Labor Party by Whitlam, who wanted the DLP votes to come back on board into the Labor Party. And look what's happened to the Labor Party ever since. I don't think we can call it a Labor Party these days. Uh, but ever since State Aid was given, uh, we have had a desire to talk about needs policies. And every time there has been a needs policy tinkered with, more and more money have gone to the greedy schools. And we have ended up, as Gonski discovered when he took the lid off the garbage tin, we have ended up with much, much greater inequalities than we ever had back in 1964 when state aid was introduced. And this is inevitable. If you actually allow private schools to pick and choose children and discriminate against other children, you are going to have, and then you fund them, you encourage them to do this, you are going to have inequalities. And at the moment, the vouchers, if you like, which are, in fact, the per capita amounts that the um, private schools get for children who are enrolled in those schools, um, they are causing greater inequalities. And the total amount that is now going into our private schools in Australia and our religious schools mainly, um, in fact, is getting to the point where it can be proved to be more than uh, what our own state schools are getting our public school system is being well and truly undermined. And the people in America understand this. They understand that if you build up a private system and especially if you uh, charge fees in that system, then you are going to have inequalities. We said that this was going to happen in the 1960s, and it has happened. And it seems that Australia is just not prepared to take on the private school interest. And because of this, the for-profit people, the charter school people and the big billionaires and the hedge fund people who've got all of this dirty money running around the world realize that there is money to be made out of insecure parents and i think this is a very sad situation indeed and the american uh, in america they are putting enormous pressures on the legislature to bring in charter schools and vouchers and um we are under the same pressure here in australia but in america they are actually standing up to them much better than we in australia
1: Yes, yes indeed. Thank you, Jean. I'm just explaining how what you're talking about relates directly to the Australian context. You're listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on day am Dog. we will be just coming back after a little bit of music um, to talk about exactly what's happening in Australia and how it relates to what's happening in Chile at the moment. We've done a comparison with Australia and America. Um, after this music, we'll be talking about Australia and Chile. Welcome back to the Dogs Programme. Just some music to calm you down there. That was by Dietrich Buxterhude. He's Canzona 166 in C major. But now we're calm, we have to sort of get it back, back into the swing of things here at the Defence of Government Schools radio programme on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial and indeed podcast. Um, I promised before that lovely music we'd be talking about. Australian education system and comparisons with Chile. In Chile, just recently, they've they've done some very interesting things with their education system. In Chile, what they've done is they've done what the dogs have been saying we should do here in Australia. The private education system for the population of Chile got so out of hand that it became one of the major political issues in that country in 2013 and was the platform, an education platform to republicize, that is anti-privatize the education system of the entire country because it had just gone too far. Um, In an article, quite interestingly, in the Sydney Morning Herald on September the 8th by Colleen Ricci, she sums up what went on there and does sort of a comparison, international comparison, about what's going on in Australia at the moment. Firstly, um, she describes what actually is happening right now in Chile, Um, and this has been described as the most radical and ambitious education reform over three decades. The new laws in Chile ban profit-making. They ban tuition fees. They ban selective admission practices in all private schools that receive funding from the Chilean government. I'll just say that again. In Chile, they have banned profit-making. They've banned tuition fees. They've banned selective admission practices in all private schools that receive funding from the Chilean government. Now, bear in mind, if you have a private school that receives no government funding... You can make a profit, you can charge fees, and you can have selective admissions practices. But as soon as you take money from the Chilean government, all of those things are now out of bounds.
0: Well, we should have that under the Discrimination Act, shouldn't we? Well,
1: indeed. This is something that does not currently happen in Australia. But back to the article by Colleen Ricci. She goes on to say that the reforms present the fulfilment of a promise made by President Michelle Blanchet during her 2013 election campaign and, I, I quote, begin a process of deep transformation that will ensure quality, gratuity, integration and an end to profit-making in Chile's education system, a system that has been described by the most socioeconomically segregated in the OECD. Now, why was this change needed and required? Well, back in the 1980s, under the former dictator Augusto Pinochet, Chile, Chile's previously universal, free public education scheme was transformed into a deregulated, privatised, market-driven system. Over recent decades, the disparity in funding levels has widened, heavily favouring private, for-profit schools over resourced-starved public schools. As a result, the public system has suffered a steady decline in quality and falling attendances. The state of public education in Chile has been a long, simmering issue that promoted strong protest well before 2013 general election. Consequently, educational reform became a key platform for Michel Blanchet's election campaign. So that's what happened in Chile. Now, do governments subsidise private schools in other countries? So... This article by Colin Ritchie states, and I think this is reasonably accurate, that while the majority of OECD countries provide free education in government-run schools, many others also incorporate a private school system. However, key features of these systems are the definition of the term private, and these vary markedly from country to country. Most private schools rely on student tuition fees, fundraising, donations, and other private, non-government sources of revenue. Very few receive government or taxpayer funding. For example, as as, as Jean was quite rightly saying, in the United States, private schools are most religiously, mostly religiously affiliated, and receive no direct government funding. In the United Kingdom, elite schools, which are referred to, ironically, as public schools, primarily cater to the upper class and similarly operate without any government financial assistance. Some countries allow a certain level of public funding for non-government schools. In France, for example, private schools may nominate a level of public subsidy, but, and this is the but, if they do, they must also submit to commensurate government regulations. In Sweden and Denmark, the government provides private schools with a per-student subsidy. However, the private sector is comparatively small, catering to a small percentage of students. And in Finland, of course, there are no private schools
0: at and all. the royal family attend public schools yes. in Denmark and um, also in Sweden yes. and Norway.
1: Indeed. So, how does this compare to what's going on currently in Australia? Now, Australia is one of the few OECD countries that provide government funding for private, non-government schools. The federal government provides the bulk of this funding, with state governments um, are financially responsible for state schools. In addition, private schools, made up mostly of religious, independent and Catholic schools, also raise funds through tuition fees, fundraising, donations and other private sources. More than 40% of Australia's secondary students attend private schools.
0: I think it should be said that for the last 50 years we have poured billions and billions of dollars into these schools and although the secondary school percentage has gone up, uh, the primary school percentage is less so and we have only made a difference of I think about uh, 13 or 14% of the children in private schools with billions and billions of dollars into these schools. They are an economic Uh, They duplicate public school facilities and they cause social division. It is uh, social madness to pour taxpayers' dollars into them. It's also uneconomic.
1: It's financially crazy. Um, to return to the article by Colleen Ritchie, published in septem- on September the 7th in the Sydney Morning Herald, she says in terms of the current situation in Australia that school funding is governed by a complex set of policies, formulas that differ from state to state as well as from streams within the sectors themselves, that is, public, independent and Catholic. The funding issue is highly contentious and often provokes heated debate. In the latest controversy, published figures show that funding increases for private schools have risen more sharply than they have for government schools since 2009. Some describe this as a national disgrace, arguing that current funding arrangements, lack like of transparency, are too messy, inequitable and unsustainable and are in dire need of an
0: I think if you do the history you'll find that the uh, funding increases for private schools have risen more sharply than those for government schools since 1978 when Peter Tannock took over the Schools Commission. And once you had uh, dissenting reports in 1984 by Van Davy on the Schools Commission uh, funding and what was happening, uh, they got rid of the Schools Commission.
1: Indeed. And at this point in this article, I think it's interesting because Colin Ritchie outlines the arguments for private schools um, that are current in the political climate of today's Australia. Now, here at the Dogs Programme, we are defending public schools but, I mean, I don't know who it was. It might have been Sun Tzu. Know your enemy. Know the arguments that the proponents for private schooling make, and you can tear them down one by one. Indeed, Firis, we've had them on the show in the last little while, have done exactly this when it comes to special religious education. They have just shed light upon the facts and the arguments, and in doing so have defeated um, the religious interests that wish to use our public schools, as mission fields. And here at the Dogs, we've always taken this approach. You look at the arguments, you state the arguments against, and you let the facts talk for themselves. If indeed uh, the government schools um, in Australia have remained in chronically underfunded over the decades the dogs have been around, I think the only potential explanation, the only possible explanation that relates to vested interests, the vested interests that wish private schools to maintain the ridiculous amounts of funding that they have in Australia today. But to outline the three arguments, and there are three arguments that the proponents of public schools put forward, the first one is that, particularly in Australia, parents who choose to send their children to private schools pay taxes, and should therefore receive a tax contribution towards their own personal education choice. This is a voucher system.
0: Mm. Yes, indeed.
1: And we've just heard what the problems are with voucher systems in the United States, and we've also heard what the problems were with voucher systems in Chile. But this is the argument they use. I choose to send my child to a private school, so therefore I want my taxes to pay for my child's education and follow their choice. Now, there's arguments against this, but we'll come back to this. Let's look at the second argument that is used by the proponents of private schooling. Some proponents query why they should pay taxes to send other people's children to public schools if they already pay to send their own children to private schools. (laughs) Others, indeed, reject the characterisation that all private schools are, indeed, advantaged and that all parents who choose uh, private education are wealthy, and asserting that many parents struggle to afford the often hefty private tuition fees.
0: Well, they lose their houses if they
1: don't. Well, that's indeed. Now, we've often seen this in various comment threads relating to this issue, the idea that... I am a good parent who is choosing to sacrifice all my money for the benefit of my child so that they can have a proper education in a private school and I don't want my money going to educate other people's children in state schools.
0: That's the justice, not the justice.
1: Indeed. Now, um, what about, I mean, I actually have to address this because this argument just falls down so quickly and so simply and so easily. Um, there are many people in Australia who do not have children at all. And the many people in Australia who do not have children at all, most of those people, I will include myself in this, are very happy for my taxpayers' money to go to the education of children in state school systems. I think that is a very sensible thing for me to do because I view myself as a civilised human being. I view the process of educating other people's children will be ultimately of benefit to myself, if I'm going to be perfectly selfish, but I also see it is of benefit not just to me, but to the people around me. To have a well-educated population, to have a well-educated citizenry, is of benefit not just to me, but to everyone. So I am very happy for my taxes to go and pay for things which do not directly benefit me, like educating the children of the nation in state schools. Now, another argument, and this is another argument for the proponents of the state school system, um, is put forward by, particularly by the Independent Schools Victoria. Um, And on the Victoria website, they say that more and more Australians are sharing with government the costs of education by sending their children to independent schools. Now, Independent Schools Victoria claim that sending a child to a private school represents a saving to the taxpayers of $5,000 per student. Now, this particular argument we have addressed directly in in many shows previously. This argument is fallacious. It is absolutely fallacious. Duplication
0: of facilities. Duplication of facilities, taxation
1: benefits, and indeed, if you dig into the figures, private schools actually get more money from the government, not just tuition fees, from the government, in case after case after case after case. Now, when this is put forward, of course, Independent Schools Victoria say, oh, this is just cherry-picking. It's not cherry-picking. The data's out there. Bonner and Buckingham did this work. In, In 2015, it's out there. And so this argument itself, I mean, I said we weren't going to deal with them one by one, but this particular argument, um, again, is fallacious.
0: Yes, Bonner and Morrow have done some tremendous work, and of course Trevor Cobbold as well. And I think that we have to also thank David Zingier from Monash University who's been doing some terrific yeah. work on all this.
1: And we'll be coming to him actually in this show afterwards because he's written a very interesting commentary on um, the education system of Chile, which I think is worth, mm-hmm. worth investigating in detail. But of course there's us, there's here at the Dogs, um, and we have a very different view to this, and our voice is heard, um, and indeed the Sydney Morning Herald acknowledges our voices because they say that we should, well I say, and the Sydney Morning Herald recognises that we say, that we should in Australia follow Chile's lead, end government funding of private schools and funnel the money back into the public system. It's cheap, it's efficient, it's the right thing to do and it benefits the nation. Very, very simple.
0: And we're now dealing with all of this money as well as international companies, uh, international religious companies around the world that actually want us, our taxpayers' dollars, to go to enable them to either fill children's heads with particular belief systems or make profits, make money. Uh, I find this quite extraordinary, but this, of course, is not what you do in a democracy. This is what you do in a fascist country.
1: Indeed. Um, others who don't quite hold the dog's position, which is to take all the money off the private school systems and funnel it back into the public system so that everyone gets an equal opportunity, an equal start in life. Equity. Equity being one of the major things that dogs are talking about. And also, indeed, equality being different things. Now, others just look around and we're not necessarily just taking the dog's point of view, say it is ridiculous, and they're angered, actually, at the extraordinary facilities that are enjoyed by many private school students, made possible by government funding, and that these exist at the expense of public schools that struggle to provide the essentials of education. And my goodness, the public schools do provide the essentials of education and much more because of the quality of teaching that goes on.
0: And if we're going to integrate another 12,000 people who are coming from traumatic circumstances, the money should be going into the public system where these children should be going to school.
1: That's because if these people turn up into our schools, educating them is not a charitable act. Education is is not a charity. It is something that the citizens of this country and people who come to this country can expect as a right. And this annoys me often when it comes to this argument between private schools and public schools, the idea that private schools provide education fundamentally in terms of values as a charitable act with their scholarships. No, no, education is far more important than that. Charitable acts are things that people choose to do. Acts that a citizen can expect, being a citizen, are completely different. And that's, and that's I think, where education um, falls into the category of a right, not a charitable act. Now, um, we mentioned David Zignia. He's actually said some very interesting things lately. And he's mentioned quite, quite substantially there is a correlation between the decline in Australia's PISA, that is, it, our international assessment performance as compared with other countries, and the correlation between our decline and the growth of state and federal funding to private schools. Now, as I've often say, correlation is not causation, but you've just got to look. If you're funneling... All these millions and billions of dollars into a, into the extraordinary facilities that many private schools enjoy. That's money that's not actually going to improve education. That's just going to give you the extra. I don't know. Um, your 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 private school child can be better at swimming because they've got two swimming pools to choose from.
0: And if people think that uh, if you if you just uh, try to have a needs policy and that might that just might improve equality in Australia, then dogs say, dream on, it hasn't happened yet.
1: Indeed, many other critics of the private school system say exactly that.
0: And it's getting worse.
1: And some people say, well, because we have this problem with equity, we should adjust what's called the funding mix to make it more equitable. Dream on. And that's exactly what the Gonski Review addressed in 2011. And the Gonski Review recommended that funding schemes based on need, regardless of whether students attend public, independent and Catholic schools, was appropriate. Now, of course, while this was praised at the time, even indeed by the education unions, the politics of this program actually remained deeply prob- problematic. Christopher Pye is not interested in equity, so he's not talking about it. And do you know what? We're at the dogs. We're not particularly interested in either, because let's just go back to the fundamental position that we end government funding to private schools and then take that money and put it back into the public system. Eventually we will get the message from
0: Chile and from Finland and from other countries that understand that you cannot have a parasitic system and give it public funds and divert those funds away from the main public system available to all children
1: which takes us on to an article written actually on the Conversation website by David Zignia, Um, who's actually a friend of the Conversation and indeed in many ways a friend to the dogs as well because he's been involved in the Fairness in Religion Schools campaign um, and he's been an advocate for state schools in his own way uh, for many years. And he's done an in-depth analysis of what's going on in Chile. And he mentions in an article published actually some time ago, but I think it's worth revisiting on March the 25th of 2015. In this article, he suggests Australia is one of the very few countries in the OECD that publicly funds private schools. More than 40% of Australian secondary students attend private schools and either so-called or religious schools, You know anything from Scientology exclusive, Brethren to Catholic to Anglican, the whole lot. Indeed, Muslim schools. Australia is one of the most privatised school systems in the OECD. Now, prior to 1972, as Jean will tell you, no private schools received any government funding whatsoever in Australia. And while most OECD countries have oh, private schools... that's not strictly too
0: st- true, true. They were getting science grants in 1964 after Sputnik went up, and in 1956 they were given uh, tax tax exemptions. Mm.
1: That's right. But in Chile, says Dave, David Sidney, and I think it's oh, yeah. worth working, it's time to rethink um, this mistaken inequitable policy in Australia and actually, like Chile, to stop all public funding to private schools and and redirect it to public schools. So where, indeed, um, in Australia is public education money going? Now, new figures from the Productivity Commission show that the government funding increases between 2008 and 2009 and 2012-13 massively favoured private schools over public schools. Funding for private schools in Victoria, for example, private schools increased almost 20% per student, or eight times the amount that it increased for public school students. Across Australia, the dollar increase for private schools was nearly five times that for public schools. The average increase in private schools was almost $2,000 per student compared to a bit over $200 for public school students. Now, the research that David's... Um, involved in, um, indicated that there is an equity gap between school systems that has continued to grow even since the Gonski review came out. And so you get to the question of, well, where is this money going and what is it doing and do private schools actually outperform public schools and is there in fact a return on the public's investment? Now, parents can, in addition to government money, uh, spend $30,000 a year on a private education. And according to the Australian Scholarships Group, the forecast cost of sending a child to a private school in Melbourne is about half a million dollars over 13 years of schooling, and that's after tax, in addition to the massive public subsidies these schools receive. But is it worth it? Now, the often presumed better results for private schools are indeed a myth, and this comes from a new analysis of the school NAPLAN testing that was put out, in fact, by Chris Bonner and, and other people. Public schools are the equal of private schools. Public, Catholic and independent schools with similar socioeconomic compositions have very similar results. Now, the research that David's done in New South Wales shows that if you're looking at academic results, it probably isn't worth paying all that money.
0: Oh, no, no, no.
1: To go to a private school. Uh,
0: it's, it's very sad that so many parents have been sold a pup and that um, as a result, uh, both religious groups and for-profit groups all around the world are going to be making money out of them. And if they don't come up with the goods, then they will take the roof over the children's heads. I think this is the saddest thing about this situation we're mm. in in Australia.
1: And then David addresses very directly the questions: do private schools save the public money? Because that's what Independent Schools Australia claim is what happens. Now, the private school lobby often makes this spurious claim alongside the claim that those who choose private schools already pay taxes, so they should receive at least a contribution for their taxes to pay for their educational choices. Now, Independent Schools Victoria says this is about $5,000 but this is actually, according to David, and I agree, akin to the Automobile Chamber of Commerce suggesting the use of private cars not only saves public money on public transport, but actually um, wanting their members to receive a subsidy for the purchase of their new car. Similarly, no one You're believes. Are
0: getting a new, a new BMW, Robert?
1: Well, actually, I've been thinking about it, Gene. I've been shopping around, absolutely. Similarly, no one believes that choosing to use private toll roads, those people choosing to use private toll roads, should receive a subsidy for the use of the toll road instead of driving on a public or free road system that their taxes have funded. I think this is a decent comparison. Now, the massive ongoing disparity in funding increases for public and private schools is a national disgrace and a scandal. And because private schools have been receiving significantly, multiples, more money increases than, 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 than public schools over the last five years and previous, as Jean has mentioned, mm. the whole idea that the private school system is saving us money is now to the point. There's been a tipping point in the last six months. It's now just not true. Mm. They have got so greedy that the amount of money that's being spent by the government on private education is now equal to or more than... The amount of money spent in the public system.
0: Isn't this It's so gone much?
1: too far. In fact, it's gone too far in Chile where the people rioted and at some point in Australia, we're going to wake up. And I think people are waking up very, very soon because I, I speak to a lot of parents. Well, I was speaking to a parent uh, just, just, just last week it was. And she said, Oh, look, I can't really send my child to the local state school because the school's overpopulated and there's too many kids, so I had to send my child to, to the local Catholic school instead. And this happens a lot and a lot and a lot. I mean, it, it, it's one of the justifications. Oh, look, I, I do support public schools, but in my area, in my situation... She
0: might find that when her child is expelled, uh, then uh, there won't be a public school alternative for her.
1: Well, if she's not her children won't be expelled. they're absolutely delightful, and I'm mm-hmm. sure she'll maintain it, though, because mm-hmm. they, they are lovely kids, and, and she's a nice person, and, and this is just the decision that she's making, and she's trying to make the best decision as a parent in her particular situation. But she had a problem, because once her kids leave, leave, leave primary school, they have to go to a secondary college, and she lives in an area where a lot of secondary colleges are there, and then a lot of them are private, and a lot of them cost a lot of money. And she said, I just don't know what to do. Now, she's someone who, you know, probably could could quite rightly deal with the financial strain and burden. And she asked me what I, what, what she should do. And I said, it's, it's very, very simple. I'll give the advice I give to everyone in these situations. Because what works for you and what works for the country are the same. What works for the benefit of all Australians is the same as what works for the benefit of your child. You send your child to the best state school that you can find. And you know what? Go looking. Go looking deep inside. Be a parent who cares because, quite frankly, all the data shows being a parent who cares about their child's education is far more important than how much money you spend on it. So find a good school. Find a good state school. Then work out how much money you could have paid to send them to the elite private school that, that perhaps you could have paid. And instead of paying that money to the private school, put it in the bank and then after the time after the time it takes to educate your child and they pop out at the end with their vce you'll have half a million dollars in the bank for the benefit of your child and that will either pay for their university degrees because they're going to get more expensive or they can buy themselves a small business or they can buy themselves a bit of a house to start off their life that's what I would say. That benefits you. That benefits your child. And for you, someone who loves their child and values education, um, will not only benefit your child, but it will benefit the school that you send them to.
0: I wonder what on earth benefit any parent or child could have possibly derived from Geelong Grammar after watching The Headmaster on the TV this week, Robert.
1: Um, that was both shocking and sad when the when the ex-headmaster of Geelong Grammar just came out and quite said well that's the way things were I became the judge and the jury and decided that this would not go to the police these terrible things that had happened to the children under my care because there was no chance that any prosecution could stick because that's not the way it was in those days and so I decided said the principal and he said this in the Royal Commission um, I decided that All things should just be left as they were. And anyway, the particular child who was abused was a a strong and rambunctious child and was not likely to put themselves in that position with that teacher again. Strange. I mean, it sounds very strange when you talk about principals talking about children like this at Geelong Grammar today. And I'm sure they'll say, oh, this doesn't happen anymore.
0: Is this why we as taxpayers have to pay for this wellbeing centre up there?
1: Oh, you mean the $4 million that the taxpayers coughed up for their wellbeing centre at Geelong Grammar? Um, or indeed the ongoing funding, I think, of four and a half million dollars per year that goes to Geelong Gamma from the taxpayers of Australia. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's all, it's all rather obscene, if you ask me.
0: Really, a lot of this state aid is because of systematic, um, organisational abuse and bullying of governments.
1: Thank you, Jean. You've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on the A&R. We've had Educational issues, we've had books to huda we've followed, well, covered the whole gamut, but now we've come to the end um, here on the Defence of Government Schools Programme on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. If you've been listening from the beginning, um, you will have got um, the information contained in Jean's press releases. Um, and if you weren't listening at the beginning, then do not fear because you can get hold of them at our website at www.adogs.info www.adogs.info But until next week when we'll be back here on 3CR 855 on AM Dial Community Radio um, It's bye for now
2: I dreamed I saw joy here last night Alive as you I, but Joe you are ten years dead I never Died, says he I Never died Says he In Salt Lake City, Joe, says I Am standing by My bed They framed you on A murder charge Says Joe